Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Hey everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. It is April 9th, 1994. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? What's up? So today on the news portion of our program, there is only one item. Really? But it is a big item. Okay. Uh, Yesterday, as I'm sure many of you know by now, Kurt Cobain, lead singer of Nirvana, shot himself in his garage, uh, dead at 27 years old. So sad. Yeah, it's quite a tragedy. Uh, Obviously, not everyone you know, publicly knows what demons he was going through. We don't know exactly what he was suffering through. But as a musician, obviously he touched a lot of our lives. Uh, the the um, Neverminding album was the, the, first, the first CD that I bought, basically. Not so long ago. And I listened to that... All day, every day, for probably at months, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the music videos on MTV, the acoustic set, the the MTV unplugged that they did that was amazing. Come as you are, and I mean, just absolutely brilliant musician, really spearheaded grunge. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, when, when I'm having a down day, sometimes I just listen to his music, and, you know, I think it touches something inside of you, and if you think about the fact that he created all of that, it's not that surprising that he would kill himself. Yeah, I suppose his uh, widow, uh, Courtney Love, you know, will have to find some strength to, to carry on. Uh, I know he has a daughter. They have a daughter together. So, you know, that's tragic, too. She's going to grow up not really knowing her father. How old is she? Do you know? Young. I I don't remember exactly how young, but she's young. Poor baby. But, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, as you can tell, I'm almost at a loss of words as to what to say. You know, Nirvana... And Kurt Cobain changed music for all of us. You know, ushered in a, a new era of music. It wasn't so long ago that Poison and White Snake and all those hair metal bands were the, the most popular bands out there. I don't know. It seemed like it was long ago. Wasn't that long ago. About five years. And... The the change from that late 80s, early 90s music to, you know, what we've had the last few years. And I just, I don't know, everyone else feels like a pale imitation right now. Yeah. You know, and that's not fair to other other groups out there, but that's what it feels like right now. And it's just obviously tragic. If you didn't get a chance to see Nirvana in concert... I mean, oh God! That's <laughs> no. Oh, I really wanted to see them. Like I didn't even think about that. Like that door is shut. Yep. 
So, you know, uh, Dave Grohl, their drummer, uh, the bass player, I, you know, I don't know what they do now. I guess, I guess they just pack it in, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a giant tragedy and that is the only news item that we really cared about this week. So, yeah. so that is it for the news. Uh, obviously our hearts go out to Kurt Cobain's family, loved ones and, you know, fans everywhere. And his bandmates. Yep. Candlelight vigils have been, you know, I've been, people have been doing that. I've, I've heard Seattle, obviously where he's from is, has, you know, been in, in mourning. So yeah, you know, just prayers for his family. That's all we can do now. There were guys crying in the hall today at school. Did you see them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, lots of, uh, well, yesterday, but yeah. Oh, they were still crying today. Today's Saturday. I need more coffee, apparently. <laughs> My days are running together. But... On to happier news, maybe, we watched uh, this week. We only did one show uh, that we watched this week. So many shows are on break for the Easter season, I guess, until their their eventual, like, last month push in May before they have their series finales and go away for the summer and go go to reruns. I was going to do another episode of 90210, but wasn't there this week mm-hmm. rerun this week yeah so we watched blossom the uh television show starring oh this name mayim bialik that is a mouthful i i applaud your even taking that on the the character that plays or the guy that plays her dad uh was on if any of you watched it in the like early-ish part of the 80s, was on a television show called Soap, where it was starred Richard Mulligan and Catherine Hellman from that eventually she was on Who's the Boss? And, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the other, <clears throat> the other actress that played the sister that was married to Richard Mulligan, but that he was her oldest son. And... He played a complete moron. He got me- mixed up in the mob. Danny, that was his name on Soap. He got mixed up in the mob and, and other things. It was, Soap was hilarious. It's a, a parody of soap operas. And it, it was just an absolutely hysterical show. But I like to pretend that his, that this character, even though he has a different name, uh, is <laughs> is the same character. What? He ran away from the mob and uh, changed his identity. So, this is just uh, a continuation of his life. You are so weird. It makes me chuckle to think that. So, Carol, explain to us the plot of this week's episode of Blossom. So, basically, it's just Blossom being a giant snoop. Um, She's got a big enough nose. Yeah. (laughs) Sticking it everywhere. So, some lady shows up at the door asking for her dad. And, you know, he, of course asks for privacy to talk to this friend of his and she pretends to go up the stairs and then just sits on the stairs and listens to them would you have done the same thing at that age it well i guess i guess we're around her age right she's supposed to be how old is she supposed to be like 12 i thought she was older than that 
I don't know. It's unclear. 13, 14. Well, then we're close. We're yeah. close to her age then. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess, I, I guess she's in high school. It's hard. It's hard to tell because they don't do much with school. Yeah. So we never really see her in school. And that guy, what's his name? Lawrence, Joey Lawrence, that uh, plays her brother. That plays her older brother. Looks twelve. <laughs> I don't know how old he is in real life. The one that plays her, the oldest sibling, looks. You know, close to being an adult. Yeah, well, he's supposed to be an adult. Yeah, I think he, well, I think he's supposed to be like 18. 18, maybe like 17, 18, 19 in that range, I think. Yeah, I think he's out of high school. But she looks considerably younger. Yeah. I always thought that, I mean, like I, like from watching the show, because we've seen the show a little bit. I mean, it's the first season, but we've seen, you know, a few episodes of the show. I, I always got the impression that she's like 12. Huh. Okay, well, maybe she is in middle school. But either way, even if I was in middle school, I still wouldn't spy on my mom like she was spying on her dad. Okay. That's rude. Um, But she finds out that this lady has a baby and that she thinks that he might be the father. Yep. So, you know, he's saying he'll do the right thing and she's trying to figure out what that means. What do, what do, what do you think that means? I assume that he means that he would financially support her and you know, arrange visitation or something like that. That's my guess. Right, and that seems to be what he was thinking. What she thought was that when he was going to marry this lady. Yeah, that's a very 1950s uh, idea of right. what the quote-unquote right thing to do is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, 1994 there, Blossom. Um, so then her older brother, there's kind of a subplot going on where he met some quote-unquote normal girl and he's trying to pretend like he is also normal. Yeah, if you haven't seen the show, they established early on, I think maybe even in the first, I think the first couple, it's hard to remember, it's, we're only like halfway through the first season of this show, <clears throat> but, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, it's hard for me to remember, but I think in the first couple episodes, he was sort of still partying, and then they established that he had this problem with drugs and alcohol and everything, and he was getting clean. And now he's been clean, and he's looking for some sort of normal relationship. Right, and and it's obvious that the recovery is a huge part of his life. Yeah. And he's trying to communicate with her while keeping that a secret, which I think is so dumb, because if you're looking for a relationship, then just be honest. He wouldn't want to be with her. If she doesn't want to be with him because he's in recovery. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, just, you know, saying stuff like, oh, I spent the day with a recovering, uh, my uncle recovering in the hospital. Like, yeah, that's dumb. He said at the beginning, he says, I usually spend Fridays at an A, a vegetarian cooking class. Right. So he's or a meatless cooking class or something yeah. like that. So he's painting a picture of somebody entirely different than who he actually is. But, as he points out, she only wears earrings in her ears. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a selling point. I don't know. I kind of want a tongue ring, personally. I think it's yeah. cool. I wouldn't be opposed to that, either. And and I want to get one that glows in the dark. Uh-huh. And then we can go to a rave, and you can see my tongue in the dark. Okay. Okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, and then... Don't do MDMA kits out there. MDMA. Ecstasy. MDMA. Yeah, that's the chemical name of it. Okay. I've never heard it called that ever, Grandpa. 
Well, that's the chemical name of it. Okay. Why? Because it's it's I I don't remember what it stands for. No. It's I mean, my, why shouldn't we do it? Because it's not good for you. I mean, but so I mean, like it's fun. But they they told us in health class it puts holes in your brains and stuff. What are you talking about? That's what they said. I don't believe it. Anyway, moving on. So just smoke pot. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> if any parents are listening, don't do that, and we don't do that. Of course not. Never, ever, ever. But smoke pot. <laughs> or mushrooms are okay. Yeah. That Any, can be, anything can be natural fun. is fine. I've um, done a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff you shouldn't do. Yeah. But no, I mean. Don't do I, acid. I really think that, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, ecstasy. Okay, well, let's try it then. Let's do it. All right. After I get my tongue pierced. Okay. Well, you get your tongue pierced, and we'll get glow sticks, and we'll go to a <laughs> rave, and we'll take some ecstasy. And then and then uh, we'll do some other stuff, <laughs> and then we'll podcast about it. Yes, we will do that this summer. Since there will be no shows new this summer, that that will be one of the new uh, <clears throat> the new segments. Carol and Mark's ecstasy fueled adventure. <laughs> so back to Blossom. Um... Oh yeah, Blossom. <laughs> <clears throat> so he knocked up some lady. Well, he thinks, but, you know, then they do a paternity test. Which takes all episode long to come back. I don't know how long this episode lasts, if it's a day or two days or a week. Unclear, but whatever it is, it's the length of however long a DNA paternity test takes. It seemed like it all took place within, like, the same day almost, because, you know, the older brother, Anthony, met this girl and was taking her on a date and was nervous about it. And that was the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode, he's waiting to pick her up while the dad's waiting for the results. But it doesn't seem like... I think it takes like a month for paternity test. Right. It doesn't seem like that that could be right. We haven't had the need for a paternity test. Right. In this house. <laughs> but, but I think it takes like a month. So, anyways, they, they get the results. Mm-hmm. And it's not his. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's basically all that happens in the episode. They go Blossom uh, decides to go to the restaurant where the woman works. That's where her and the dad met because he played piano there, because he's a piano player, as noted uh, prominently with the piano and the set. Right. <clears throat> but anyway, so they go there to spy on her. She figures it out immediately because Blossom uses her name <laughs> and. So they sort of have a talk. Blossom says that she likes her. And then she tells her dad about it. Her her dad says, why did you go spy on her? And she said, well, she's going to be my stepmother. And then he freaks out about that because obviously that's not what he meant. Right. He barely knows her. Their mom walked out on them. So he's gun shy about getting into another relationship. And Blossom is apparently starving for some sort of maternal figure in her life. Yeah, it's kind of sad um, when you put it that way. Yeah, the whole show is sad underneath the uh, the laugh track. Right? Wow. Okay. Um, and then the movie this week. Oh, yeah. Okay. You want, you want to just move on? I'm sorry. No. What, what else do you want to say about Blossom? I got no other jokes about Blossom. Okay. Those so, hats are dumb. 
I don't want one. You don't what? think I would look cute in one of those hats? With a, the fla- big flower on it? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. I'll get a black one. It'll be pretty. If you wear a tank top, too, it'll be fun. <laughs> you just like whatever I wear tank tops with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so today, it's April, as I mentioned. April 9th. And baseball is in the air. Boo. <laughs> the new season starting, we hope. <laughs> but anyway, what a time for a baseball movie. I hate baseball. Baseball is the worst of the sports. I hate all sports, but baseball is the freaking worst. Well, you might you might <laughs> you might get your wish of no baseball this this year. But <laughs> Anyway, so, because there's there's rumblings hmm. about their contract and everything, it, it doesn't, it doesn't look great. You know, they, uh, April 3rd, when, when the season was supposed to start, mm-hmm. just, you know, like a week ago, they, uh, they've, you know, been on, uh, on strike and... You know, we don't know what's going to happen with baseball. So, a baseball movie fills that void. And a sequel to one of the greatest baseball movies ever made, Major League. It is Major League 2. Now, can I just point out how much it sucks to have to watch a sequel of a movie that you didn't see and that you find boring. But they incredibly helpfully give you a previously on Major League at the beginning of the film. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's the worst way to open a movie I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it was it, pretty bad. It, the only way it could have been worse is if instead of Bob Bob Euchre uh, reading it, who is amazing, if it had been some, you know, horrible person. Like, uh, I don't know, the uh, Chicago White Sox announcer. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, terrible way to open a film. Where they, they basically just go through... The all the relevant plots of Major League One. Yeah. It's I'm still laughing about how ridiculously stupid it is. Yep, it's a waste of a Friday night. Don't do it. But it also no, the movie's good. I'm just no. saying the beginning is. Ladies, don't listen to him and don't let your men fool you into going to see this movie. It's a good film. It's funny. It's a funny movie. It's funnier than the first one, I think. It was not that funny. The first one's a better movie, like a better put together story, a better constructed film. But this one is funnier, has funnier jokes. Okay, if you say so. You laughed. Yeah, a couple things made me laugh. Again, just because I chuckle a couple times does not make it a good movie. All right, well, I'll go through the plot of Major League. Yeah, and then you you, 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 you jump in with all the things you think are terrible. So you want me to interrupt you constantly? Well, that wouldn't be much of a difference. Hey! (laughs) Anyway, so uh, the film begins, as I said, with a previously on Major League. And then revealing some of the changes. Uh, Phelps has sold the team to Roger Dorn for $150 million. Kind of a bargain, I suppose. What? He got ripped off. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the plot of the movie. But I would venture to guess that if someone wanted to buy the Cleveland Indians now, or like right now, mm-hmm. that 
I think they'd probably pay more than $150 million. I feel like that franchise is more valuable than that. I don't know. I have no idea how much franchises, you know, cost or whatever. I just know through in the movie, it's, you know, he, he gets messed up with the negotiations and ends up spending more than he has budgeted and he can't even keep the team going. Yeah, that is part of the plot of the movie. But anyway, so he he is retired, Roger Dorn, and he buys the team, so he's the owner. Um, I'm trying to think, well, okay, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But they begin by everyone coming back for spring training. And every, all these, these motorcycle, like leather clad, we still think it's 1989 people, are waiting for Ricky Vaughn to come back. And it's not the Ricky Vaughn they expect. He's not on a motorcycle. He's not in a leather jacket. He drives in a nice car. And he's wearing a sport jacket and everything. He looks, you know, like put together. Yeah, they managed to make Charlie Sheen look douchey. Congratulations. But that's the point. That's the point of the film is that he's not who he's being. You know, he's, he's being not who he is in, in reality. But I mean, he was the only thing that might have made the movie good. And they ruined him too. Well, maybe you would have liked the first one better. Because he's certainly more bad boyish in that in that first one, but yeah, so he's he's now thinking about his career. He's he's not uh, he's not the the flame throwing young hotshot that he used to be. Everyone's changed. Uh, Wesley Snipes has changed a lot. He's changed so much. He's Omar Epps <laughs> because apparently Wesley Snipes didn't want to come back for the sequel. Good call. No idea why. But they replaced him with Omar Epps, which seems borderline racist. <laughs> that they're just like, oh, any black guy, you know, they, they'll look the same. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But Omar Epps is funny in this movie, although I think it would have worked better with Wesley Snipes. But he went on to do a, a, a weird Hollywood movie, which they showed the, the trailer of, which was kind of funny. More than borderline racist. But, yeah, it looks like a black exploitation film from the 1970s. Yeah. <clears throat> and Jesse Ventura is in it as well. But he supposedly hurt his knee during uh, doing stunts on the movie. So now he has a hard time getting around, I guess. Uh, everyone intimates that he's acting about this, though. Hmm. And he wants to be a power hitter now. So now he's trying to hit home runs. Sort of the same problem he had last, <laughs> the last movie, where he was trying to hit balls in the air, and they told him, you know, hit balls on the ground and run them out with your speed. And when he started doing that, that's when they started being successful. Now he's trying to hit balls out of the park again. I don't get it. But that's, that's what's going on. They also have a catcher, who's pretty funny, uh, who's an idiot, a complete hayseed, as they say. And he can't, th his, his thing is he can't throw the ball back to the pitcher. He can throw to third, he can throw to second, he can throw to first, but he can't throw back to the mound. Throws it over his head. But he reads a lot of Playboy, so, for the articles, apparently, because he recites them. So they tell him to just to think about that, think about the articles when he's throwing uh, back to the pitcher. So, you know, that's, 
that's not super funny, but when he's throwing back to the pitcher, he'll talk about, you know, Miss November's interests or whatever. Although it does highlight that he has a very good memory. See, I didn't even understand what was going on because I don't know anything about baseball. So, um, you know, most of what you just said sounded like blah, 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 blah. But when you said about him reciting things, I, I thought he was distracting the hitters. I had no idea that he was just doing that to help himself focus. So that's how little I understood what was going on in this movie. Yeah, he was trying to focus. Yeah, well, I had no idea. I thought he was just trying to freak people out. Everyone's got problems in this movie. Joe Boo uh, is gone because Serrano is not worshipping anymore. He's worshipping Buddha. So now he's all pacifist and, and nice. And that means that he can't hit the ball, I guess. That, that translates to, you know, if this was a football movie, I guess it would make more sense. But in a baseball movie, you would think you don't need a ton of aggression to hit a ball necessarily. You need... You know, focus, hand-eye coordination, good fundamentals. I mean, I, the best hitters in the game, like Tony Gwynn, say, or um, somebody like that, it's not like... No clue who that is. It's not like Tony Gwynn is the most aggressive and, like, hate-filled person, and that's why he's good at batting. He's good at batting because he studies batting, he studies pitchers, and he has good hand-eye coordination and has good fundamentals. Uh, that, you know, it, it doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Baseball's not really much about aggression. Okay. But they also have Jack Parkman, some new character that they traded for from the A's, who's a catcher, who is one of the best hitters in baseball, and for some reason, Randy Quaid is in this as well as a fan. <laughs> Who is super excited about the the um, I almost called them the Yankees? So super excited about the Indians' prospects until suddenly he turns on them because of how like how they've all turned personality wise. I thought it was just the one that was wild thing. I didn't know it was all of them. Oh, he, he hates them all. Okay. Why don't you Why don't you pick up the uh, explanation of the film? No. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us something that you remember about the movie. Um, okay, so the guy that was Wild Thing, what, what's his name? Ricky Vaughn. Ricky Vaughn. So he's actually dating his manager. This is the part agent. I paid attention to. His yeah, agent. his agent. No, I thought he said it was her manager. Oh, is it, that's her, his agent. Okay, fine. So he's dating her. He lives in a shitty, I mean, it's probably really expensive, but shitty looking apartment. He lives in an apartment that looks like it, 1985 threw up in an apartment. No, I think it's more like 1975. Yeah, maybe. But, um, yeah, it's all... A lot of leather, velour. Yeah, it's gross. Um, Weird Doric columns. Yeah. And then uh, they break up because he walks in on her talking shit about him, and I think I get the impression she never really cared about him at all, and she's just using him. Um, but she claims that she was just going off in the mouth to a friend and didn't really mean what she was saying. And then there's some other chick that I guess he was with in the last movie. I don't know. I didn't see uh, the last no, movie. No, he wasn't with her in the last movie. This is a weird off-screen development that they just kind of brush through. Apparently he had a relationship with this woman at some point in between the events of the first film and this film. She but wasn't they, in the first film? No, they what act, the hell? They act like we should know this. Yeah. But no. No, no idea. 
that makes it even worse. Oh my god. So, so there's some other girl that he used to date, apparently. And she's like a teacher or social worker or something to do with kids. I don't know. Uh, she takes care of kids that got in trouble with the law at like nine. Right. Yeah, they're like little kids. <laughs> apparently. And they're being given a second chance. It, it, it's supposed, they're like, they're generic, like, fostery kids, I guess. I don't I, know. I don't know. But Troubled youth. She, she brings these kids to, like, get his autograph, and, you know, there's all this flirting going on, and so when he breaks up with his actual girlfriend, he gets back together with that girl, and then there's, like, some confusion because the one that's his agent uh, tells him about some party, and it's the same night that the other girl, the nicer girl, is doing something with the kids, and he was supposed to be there with her and the kids, but he blows them off to go to the party. And I can't remember what they're called, but it's a cereal company, and I think it's supposed to be like Kellogg's or or Post or something like that. That they, I can't remember what the name that they call them, but it's it's reminiscent of one of those existing companies, but. I think it's just a fake generic company. Yeah, so it's something for his career, but, you know, of course, the blondie is going to be there, and that makes it bad. And his, his, so he goes, he gives him signed baseballs and everything, and then he's like, oh, I can't stay, i got to go. And she's all mad because he's going to this party that this girl set up for him. And, you know, he he's turning his back on the kids, and they look up to him because he got in trouble and they got in trouble. And that, you know, he's he's basically a success story and they want to, you know, be like him. Yeah, so that's that's all I remember about the movie. So the only thing you remember is the romantic subplot of the film. Well, and at the end when he turns back into Wild Thing and, you know, they're all happy and they win. And gets that nice haircut. That's a terrible haircut. Oh my god, I forgot about the fucking haircut. Yeah, they win the American League Championship Series and go to the World Series course we don't see how they do in the world series it's the indians so i assume they lose that's probably why they didn't show it but but some of the funniest stuff in this movie is from bob uecker or there's one line from his from his monty his broadcast partner but bob uecker is hilarious you might remember him from mr belvedere as the the dad on Mr. Belvedere. Nope, don't remember. Yeah, at I know all. you didn't watch Mr. Belvedere. I <clears throat> I seen Mr. Belvedere, but I I don't remember the dad. He wasn't a big character. Yeah, he was. He was one of the major characters of the show. <laughs> Whatever. There was a lot between him and and uh and Mr. Belvedere. But anyway, he is a real life broadcaster. Obviously, used to be a, a catcher and a real life broadcaster for the Milwaukee Brewers. And plays broadcaster in this film is absolutely hilarious. And some of the lines are just great. He he plays the I'm drunk and this team sucks so I don't care role really well. The, the funniest line from the film, I think, the, fir- the first film is him as well. Where he's doing that teepee talk thing. The uh, radio show that opens the this movie, where he gives the recap of what happened last time on Major League, but uh, he's doing thing, and he said, and he says, 
in case uh, you haven't noticed, and judging by the attendance, you haven't, the, <laughs> the, the Indians have managed to string together some wins and are threatening to climb out of the cellar. And so that's one of the best lines from the first film. And he's got a lot in this film. One of my favorites is a guy hits uh, a ball and Serrano's in the outfield going for it. And he says he'll need a rocket up his ass to catch this one. <laughs> which, yeah. Which is great. But they also play up uh, Monty being no help in the broadcast at all because uh, he says something, Bob Eucher says something at the beginning, first game, and Monty goes, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> and he goes, dynamite drop in, Monty. Those uh, broadcasting uh, school is really paying off. Did, did that remind you of me? Some Somewhat. Yeah, me too. But the best, the best was when Bob Eucher was drunk and passed out and he's trying to wake him up and it, Bob Euchre's just like you call the game so Serrano's at the plate and just hits a screaming line drive and he goes hit to the outfield and this guy just the outfielder just makes a absolutely heroic running jumping catch and he goes caught <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's hilarious but yeah, most of the lines, the most of the good lines are are Bob Euchre's, I think, <clears throat> just basically calling the plays. Because as they go into each game, his his voiceover, his commentary, just sort of plays over almost his narration over the events going on during the game. And I don't know if he ad libbed a lot of his lines, or if it was scripted, or if it was a combination of both. But just brilliant comic delivery. I mean, it's fantastic. He's great in this movie. Hmm. I'm glad you enjoyed it, babe. Let's see. Anything else to say about Major League Two? No. So you you're you're gonna pick uh, the the next film we watch, I suppose. Hell yes. Okay. Well, I got one in, and Carol hated it. You got more than one in. I mean, you made me watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective. You The entire world wanted to watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I couldn't have known you wouldn't like that movie. I didn't want to watch it. Why? Why didn't you want to watch it? Because it looked stupid. Okay. Well, and it was. Everyone else in the world wanted to watch it. And um, you made me watch, uh, what was the, the hot guns or... <laughs> piping hot guns that's what it's called top gun <clears throat> yeah top gun 1986's top gun <laughs> we watched that because it came out in the theater last week i think you're thinking naked of gun. the naked gun yeah 33 and a third that one that was bad yeah well i i i didn't really want to watch that that much either but nothing else had come out in the theater and Apparently, since we're doing this, we can't just take a week off from watching movies anymore. We could always go to Blockbuster. Remember when we did Breakfast Club? That made me happy. Yeah, yeah, that was fine. I think you guys are going to get some more of those. Maybe. We'll see. I'm not watching another baseball movie. Okay, well, I think uh, Major League 3 is coming out next month. Hell no. It's... Really that fast? No, God. it's not. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know if they're going to make a third one, but... They better not. Jesus. Oh, 
I don't think they could get Charlie Sheen back for another one. If he's smart. Yeah, I don't think. And Corbin Burnson, that's the guy that played Dorn. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, if you want to know the re- about the rest of the movie, Maria Phelps comes back, buys the team from him. Oh, yeah. Because she screwed him over money-wise. And she's sort of a motivation for them to win. It's all very... It's it's a very loosely hung plot. I liked the movie because it was funny. But the movie is structured really poorly. And just... It's not... The script is... Outside of the jokes, the script is not very good. It, no. it's a It's a very loosely structured plot. It's... It doesn't make a lot of sense. It recycles a lot of elements from the first movie, and it doesn't even do them as well, let alone better than the first movie does. It's just, it's a really scattershot plot. It's not, it's not, the movie seems to exist for Bob Euchre to make jokes. (laughs) Yeah. It's not good. Like I said. But our blockbuster pick of the week, this week, is the Beverly Hillbillies. Why don't you tell us, Carol, all about the Beverly Hillbillies? Um, okay, so, you know, the Beverly Hillbillies, like, struck oil, and, um... Carol hasn't seen this movie. (laughs) Well, they did. No, yeah, you tell us about the show. They struck oil. (laughs) Bubbling crude. (laughs) Just go. So, if you're unaware, this movie is based on a television show from the 1960s. Yeah. Starring, what's his name? Judd Clampett? Yeah, that, that's correct. But I'm trying to think of the name of the actor that he was going to be... Here's, here's an interesting piece of Hollywood trivia. He was originally going to be the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. But he was allergic to the silver paint that they, they use some sort of like the, to make the tin man paint to paint on the body they didn't use actual silver because i don't know if you guys know this but silver clogs pores yeah and silver would ki- you know being covered in silver would kill someone but it was some sort of uh like silverish oxide paint that they used he was allergic to it and he almost died oh my god and he got replaced with ray bulger who, who played the Tin Man in the actual 1939 film. I'm trying to remember the name of the actor, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You know what sucks, though? Like, okay, he was allergic, so get different paints, not a different actor. I don't know if they had anything at the time. during. You know, because I mean, this is like, I, it came out in 39, The Wizard of Oz, so I'm assuming it filmed in 38 or around there. I don't know if they had the any the the technology to to do anything else i don't know that they could have done the the tin man's costume in any other way that would have looked not ridiculous okay. in 1939 so i think um they kind of had to just do it that way and they had to get another person that poor guy yeah i know and it's funny because he apparently was an actor way back when Way back in Buddy Ebsen, that's his name, Buddy Ebsen. Okay. Uh, but apparently, he was an actor way back when in the '30s and the '40s. I don't know him from anything. <laughs> Not that Ray Bolger well, got super famous from being the Tin Man, but you, you mean Grandpa? You you didn't see that stuff in the theater? <laughs> 
No, but I mean, I don't remember him from from any other. Well, I didn't see him in any other movies. You know, I watch old movies. Okay, yeah. sorry. He he's into like old movies and old music, and he knows stuff about old times. And I swear to God, I think sometimes that he's like one of those like reincarnated old souls. My dad's old. That's why. Uh, anyway, my dad would be old too if he were still here. And well, he's he not. Didn't contaminate my brain like yours did. He watched. Well, you can tell me my brain in a different way, but he watched, he watched like, 80s horror movies with me. That, you know. Well, my dad wasn't into 80s horror movies. My dad was, uh, my dad was, uh, like, 20 years old in 1950. So he wasn't uh, into to 80s horror movies when they came around. Um, my dad was, like, 20 years old in 1852. In 1850? How old was your dad? 1950. You, was your dad born in 39? No, 36. Okay, so yeah, your dad was six years older than my dad is. Six years older? Younger. Younger, yeah. <laughs> We're off the rails. Yeah, uh, sorry guys. <clears throat> anyway, so what I'm saying is it's unfortunate that he didn't get that opportunity because it it took until the 60s right. for him to be in the Beverly Hillbillies for him to get any degree of fame. Right. From, you know, a wider audience anyway. I assume he was in movies and background player and stuff like Maybe. that. <clears throat> like I said, not that Ray Bolger got famous from being the Tin Man. I can't name one other movie he's been in besides being the Tin Man. Huh. And the Cowardly Lion, same thing. The only one that got famous off that movie was Judy Garland. <laughs> and then she started taking drugs. Just like we're going to do during our uh, ecstasy-filled adventure. Uh, but anyway, so the Beverly Hillbillies, they made it into a film, came out last year. I saw it. Carol didn't because Carol thinks these kind of movies are dumb, which is fine. I escaped one. Sue me. Yeah. If we had been doing this show at the time, then uh, we would have watched it. But anyway, so it stars uh, Vern. What's his name? Ernest P. Worrell. I don't know his real name. All I know is the character. If you're unfamiliar, although I'm sure you're not, uh, Ernest P. Worrell was a TV commercial pitchman. He would be... It was one of those weird things where he wasn't associated with a single brand. It was just a character that this actor and and another person came up with. And he would do commercials for anything. The camera would train on him. He'd be like, hey, Vern, go go uh, down to wherever. And they would play regionally. Now, we were lucky, I guess, if you like this character, because he did ABC warehouse commercials in our area uh, during the, the mid part of the 1980s. And then I remember him from that. And then obviously movies, Ernest, whatever. Ernest goes to camp and, and stuff like that. So those were popular in the in the 1980s and everything. So that's this dude, Jed Clampett, Ernest P. Worrell. Don't know his real name. Okay. But he's really good in this movie. He's a good actor. I am surprised at how good he is in this role because he both captures Buddy Ibsen's characterization of Jed Clampett while also making it his own, and he's really funny in this movie as sort of the we're Hicks, but he's the wise one, even though 
he has his frames of reference are all you know like arkansas backcountry frames of reference but he's smart and it really shows and uh, there's a guy i think his name is diedrich bader he's a young comedian he's the one that plays jed clampett so he plays the idiot don't know much about this guy but he plays a moron really really well <laughs> And I can't remember who plays. I haven't. I haven't seen this movie since the last year. But I can't remember who plays Ellie May. But she's pretty good too. It's a fine film. It's available at Blockbuster if you want to get it. Carol, give us some memories of the Beverly Hillbillies. I I, I really only remember the beginning. What beginning? You know they struck. Gold, black gold, that is. Um, there's that, you know, Texas scene. Texas Yeah, that scene where they're, like, all in the car and the grandma's, like, on the top with the gun. Yeah. How, how's that go? Um, well, listen, let me tell you a story about a man, man named, named Jed. Jed. Something uh, always kept his family fed. One day when he was out trying to rustle up some food or shoot some food or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> he stumbled on the ground and... I don't know, bubble and crude. Yeah, oil that is. So that's black gold. That's, that's Texas all. Texas tea. That's all I remember. He makes a lot of money in oil. So he's an oil millionaire that moves to Beverly Hills inexplicably. Just his friends tell him hey, that's where he should live because that's where the rich people live. Yeah, makes no sense to me, but that is the premise of the show. So think you got a about bunch of hillbillies in Beverly Hills. Think about the the simplicity of some of these shows back in the '60s. Here's a premise for a show: hillbillies in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hillbillies. There you go, fish out of water. Uh, you know, 175 episodes. We will find something better to talk about next time. No, 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 no. We'll talk about uh, ecstasy next time. No, we're I almost called it MDMA. Stop that. Why? Because you're a teenager and not my dad. Don't talk to me like it's health class. <laughs> should be like, hey, let's do some ecstasy, baby. I'll make you feel ecstasy. That's how you should talk to me. I don't need That's ex- MDMA. I don't need drugs to make you feel ecstasy. Okay, well, that's beside the point. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a, a, a serious person. Doing a serious show. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our show for today, April 9th, 1994. Uh, I don't know. Put an envelope in Carol's locker. Please tell me what you think. I, I really want some feedback. I'm only getting feedback from one person. Give her money, too. And uh, I don't always know. always take money. I don't know what else to tell you. Come to our locker. Go to the band room. I don't know. Look for things. Give us suggestions on what else to do on the show. We're running out of ideas. No. Um, but just, uh, I don't know, do all the things, okay? You, you, know, you know what you need to do to make this show a success. You know you need to tell people. You know you need to tell us that we're doing a good job and... I don't know, write five stars on our locker or something. Right, right. <laughs> Tell me what you want Omar Epps to be in next after Major League Two. Maybe he could be on a TV show. 
He'd look good as a doctor. You think so? I think so. I could see him in a white coat. A white coat playing a doctor. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I see it. Maybe if he had a a checkered past, like he was a car thief or something, that became a doctor. That seems racist, too. (laughs) Now now that you mention it, I guess it kind of does. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, yeah, just tell us things and do all the other things, you know. Bye-bye.